<laughs> is that how you want to start it? No. Too bad. I do the editing, and that's how we're starting it. Hello, castanets, cast heads. How you doing? It's us up at the beginning. Surprise, motherfucker! Doing a little special, little little special talking to. A little special. How do you do? Is that what we're doing? I thought I was just making sounds with my mouth. You were. You can stop now. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead with your announcement. All right. Our little announcement is next week we are going to be doing our season three recap. Mm-hmm. And then we are taking two weeks off for the holidays. Which, which holidays? All of them. All of the holidays. Because I think a lot of them align in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Happy Hedgehogla days <gasps> to everyone. Is that what my present is? Yes. A hedgehog? Yep. I didn't poke any air holes in the box, though, so. God damn it. Always giving me dead animals. Always giving you dead animals. <laughs> if that's what you want, okay. I don't want that. Well, I've never done it before. Poke holes in the goddamn box, man. Always. So it made it seem like that's what you wanted. No. It's the last thing that I want. Okay, what's the first thing you want? Apparently a hedgehog now. Hmm. Do I want a hedgehog? I don't think that's accurate. I don't think it would survive very long in this house. No, I want a duck. I know that. I want a duck with stick arms. <laughs> I also don't think that would survive very long in this house. A full-size duck? Yeah, I'm not confident. In anything or just in ducks? Hmm. <laughs> All right, anyway, moving on. Next week, we will also be having a huge announcement. A very huge announcement. Yeah, it's going to be that I got a duck and or a hedgehog. Probably. (laughs) Do you have anything you would like to say to the people? Happy holidays, the people. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, who hopes to have a duck soon. Wow. Now they know we just recorded the intro directly before we recorded the regular episode. They wouldn't have known that. I've always wanted a duck. Not on air. Mm. That was a secret. Oh, no. That was the secret. (laughs) I've spilled my secret. Well, you know, like the secret, I'm putting it out into the world. This is The Cast Files. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 24, the Season 3 finale, Talitha Kumi. Yes. It originally aired May 17th, 1996. The teleplay was by Chris Carter. The story was by David Duchovny and Chris Carter. And it was directed by R.W. Goodwin. It is the first time we've seen his name in a while. Yeah. So what's the difference between writing a teleplay and writing the whole story? The story is just like, hey, I think this should happen, and then this should happen, and then this should happen. So the story is an outline? And teleplay is like writing out the actual script. It's like Ben Affleck throwing a basketball against the wall and telling Matt Damon what should happen, and Matt Damon actually sitting out and writing Goodwill Hunting. Oh, is that how their relationship was? It's just how I imagine it. You know what? You said that. And I asked, but also, Ben Affleck didn't do shit. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Uh, Poor Ben Affleck. Why? I I have such a bad opinion of him. Didn't he and Jennifer Lopez just get married and then also just get divorced? Did they get divorced already? I think so. 
Ooh, that's rough, because she actually took his name this time. She's JF now. You gotta not do that. She did it. I'm not sure. I saw one headline, didn't open the story, didn't even look at the source, and was like, I thought they just got married. Well, there's no way to know. There isn't. The only reason I cared at all is because of all the stories prior to that where they were like, well, look at how exhausted they are. They're definitely fucking a lot. All the stories or the one time you heard it on a podcast? I think I heard it multiple times or I thought about it a lot. (laughs) Who knows? There's no way to tell. Wow. (laughs) All right. So Talakumi comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 41. Quote, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. All of that was in a quote, and I don't think that was the actual whole verse. But either way, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumi. What? Something didn't get translated, right? Editor's note, this is apparently when Jesus raised a little girl from the dead. The account is in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, but only Mark records the Aramaic words, Talithakumi. The rest of them are translated. It's a term of endearment. It means like little lamb or little girl. Basically, he's telling this little girl that he is bringing back from the dead. Little girl, get back up. It's time to be alive again. All right, so while Scully researches a man with extraordinary healing abilities named Jeremiah Smith, Mulder finds evidence of a deadly alien bounty hunter, is what the synopsis is. Sure. Production note, the choice of the name Jeremiah for the Jeremiah Smith character could be a reference to the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, who was imprisoned and feared for his life for telling God's inconvenient message that shed light on Jerusalem's wicked ways and announced a coming captivity. Jeremiah Smith also acts as a kind of prophet in the X-Files. I don't know enough about any of this to know if that makes any sense. You? No, you wrote it. No, that was a production note that I grabbed. I can't read the Bible. We've had this discussion. Those little tissue pages? Rolling papers? Ugh. I can't do it. (laughs) The King James Bible printed by a zigzag. Oh my god, I can't do it. There's a part of me that's like, I should read this, but I can't because I can't touch those pages because why would you do that? I don't know, but you could read it online if you really wanted. I don't want to that bad. Okay, (laughs) then you're just making excuses. I am. Also, it sounds like an awful read. It's rough. It's hard to get through. Like, hire an editor, God. (laughs) All right, casting characters. Angelo Vacco as the doorman previously played Angelo Garza in the X-Files episode F. Emasculata. That's, yeah. Yes? As soon as you said he was in another one, I I pictured him immediately. Oh, it's this guy whose name I kept messing up. Rothgar? Rothgar? Rothgar Matthews as Gallon Muntz previously played Jack in the X-Files episode The Jersey Devil. And man on phone in the host. Oh, yeah, because, oh, my God. And Creighton Jones in Our Town. Every time I see Our Town, I keep thinking that it's not an X-Files episode. It's, it's a movie, or because there's a play called Our Town. I was thinking the play. Yeah. Stephen Demopoulos as detective, previously played Ionesco in the X-Files episode Dodd Calm. Dodd Calm. What? <laughs> Every time I see that, that's what I think. Okay. I don't know what you're referencing. There was an old commercial that said .com. I see. And that's what I think every time I see that. 
Um, John McLaren as Dr. LaBerge previously played George Keems in the X-Files episode, Our Town. And Bonnie Hay as the night nurse previously played Field Doctor in the X-Files episodes, Colony and Endgame. And she played Woman in Oubliette. So she's been around. I recognized her. I knew she had been in something, but I had no idea what. And now seeing where she previously was, I see why I didn't remember. You didn't recognize woman? <laughs> right. Like, I've seen you before. Woman. Woman. <laughs> All right. Before we jump in, you have anything? No, I have a lot for the end. Okay. At a fast food restaurant, fresh salads. That apparently serves one burger, but they're going to put four pictures of it up in the menu. Yes. No salads, but fresh salads is what the sign says above the uh, ordering area. A man is complaining. He's obviously been laid off timely because of all the layoffs that are happening right now. He then pulls out a gun, taking everyone inside hostage, except the children who are too dumb to take care of themselves. So maybe let one parent leave with them. (laughs) He's not worried about that. (laughs) He just doesn't want them to be scared. Who was he complaining to? Himself. He's he was just lost his mind. He was just talking that's what out loud. Because in the shot, there's a woman, there's an obvious barrier, and there's a woman next to him, but on the other side of the obvious barrier. And she is trying not to pay attention to him. Yeah, but it's difficult. Yeah. Which I understand. I agree. Yeah. So I was like, who was he talking to? All right. One of the workers calls 911 immediately. Yes. Important to note because I have a note. Oh, about how fast they arrive? Oh, so let's talk about it right now. I counted. 25 seconds. Yeah, I also have a note. <laughs> one 1,000, two 1,000. I got to 25 1,000. And it's not like they cut and time passes. That was just, oh. they were there in 25 seconds. No. So inside the building, while this one guy is waving his gun around, another man tries unsuccessfully to get him to calm down. He's not really unsuccessful. It's the guy at the door who screws it all up. He was doing a good job. He had a really good tactic. It's true. Because the gun guy was like, they are whatever, they are whatever. And he's like, you're going to show them. It was. You're going to show them. It he, was. It was really well. You know what? Done. I'm glad that you pointed that out because actually, now that we're talking about it, this guy was so much better at talking down the gunman than Mulder was earlier earlier in the seasons hmm. remember when Mulder had to be the Dwayne Barry did he talk to Dwayne Barry that's he right did. he talked to Dwayne Barry and it was awful <laughs> I don't remember what he said or something was it like fuck you Dwayne Barry basically you ain't gonna kill nobody <laughs> <laughs> I dare you <laughs> you gonna shoot somebody I dare you I dare you <laughs> come on <laughs> do it you little bitch little punk ass bitch I don't remember what he did but I remember us being like that's not how this works. What are you doing? Yeah. So this this anon- currently anonymous guy was doing a lot better, but you're right. Somebody tried to sneak out the door, and that's when the gun guy shot three people. Yeah. And then the snipers outside were already set up and shot him, which is nuts, because I don't know if you guys have ever called the authorities... I really hope you don't ever have to, honestly. Yeah, it's not a good time. No. Uh, They must have been next door to... Oh my God, that's what I wrote. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I said, maybe Fresh Salads is right next to the cop house? Fresh Salads is not the name of... I know it isn't, but it's the only sign that was up there. It's K Brothers Hamburgers. Okay. What does K stand for? 
killer. <laughs> it's the Killer Brothers hamburgers. <laughs> Everybody that goes in there every day, there's a hostage situation. I see. Every day, every day in that restaurant, somebody gets killed. Wow. So maybe stop going? Unless you want to be the killer, if you're one of the brothers. Or the burgers are that good? Ooh, maybe they are. Maybe it's worth it. What would it take to gamble your life for a burger? It'd have to be a really good burger and a lot of people in and out of that restaurant. Mm. So if it's a one in 30 chance, like 30 people. Yeah. Or if it's thousands of people a day going through there. That seems high for a fast food place, but... I mean, it's like I mean, like thousand. one location it would be, yeah. but if you were like, well, McDonald's sign says they've served billions and billions, so my likelihood of getting shot because I'm the one guy that day is still better than winning the lottery. <laughs> yeah, and now that I think about it, people are risking their lives for McDonald's now. Yeah? Right now. So, uh, yeah, this country... That place would have business. I guess. I guess. And it wouldn't even have to be that great. Well, after everybody's shot, the shooter says, I'm going to die. And the other man says, no one's going to die. Then lays on hands and cures his bullet wound. He also cleans up the blood stains better than hydrogen peroxide. So look for this guy the next time you're flipping through the infomercials. It really works. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then we go to the credits, which is fun because he's like, I'm healing the shooter and nobody else. Right. <laughs> Obviously, he hits up everybody else too, but it was just funny the way it's shot. Yeah, and it sucks because obviously this guy is a murderer, so that's bad. But also, obviously, this guy is dealing with a lot of stuff that a lot of people are dealing with right now. All right, so after we come back from the credits that show us how to purchase the the training to lay on hands that cleans up blood without any residue. (laughs) Vince from ShamWow. Totally bought it. (laughs) Mulder and Scully arrive on the scene to investigate. Mulder is wearing a red tie. Is that significant? Does he know that he's wearing a red tie? (laughs) Oh, it is significant. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) If it's canon, then no. Or he had somebody sleep over and said, I like this red on you. Maybe. Who knows? Scully talks to one of the men who was shot, lifting his shirt to reveal his tight abs and no bullet wound. Yeah, she got a little too friendly. She does. She's just like, I'm touching you. She's like Peggy Carter in Captain America. Yes. <laughs> it took me a moment to figure out, to shuffle through the small frames that I remember from any of the Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> that one I have kept. Oh, shirtless Chris Evans? Okay. Touching shirtless Chris Evans. Apparently, that was not in the script. I remember seeing, yeah. I remember seeing uh, that, hearing that, or you telling me that. It was just something. Haley Atwell going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Mulder gets in the backseat of a cop car with the shooter. He closes the door, but also opens the door from the backseat. The shooter believes God saved him, because that's fair. A man. A holy man. Mm-hmm. And the healer named Jeremiah Smith vanished while talking to an investigator on the scene. Interesting. Meanwhile, the cigarette smoking man meets with Mulder's mother at her former summer home in Rhode Island. The CSM insinuates their affair and the piano music is amazing. Did you notice? Ugh. It was so loud. (laughs) 
And this apparently is where everybody is getting the idea that he's Mulder's dad. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the first time I've seen it. Sorry. Oh, no. I I also <laughs> thought the same thing. I was like, well, he doesn't look like Bill Mulder, does he? No. <laughs> but Smoking Man also says that he was around with the kids yeah. back in the day. Okay, my parents had a bunch of people in and out of the house when I was a child. And they were having sex with all of them. If they were, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. No, I also don't care. I'm just... <laughs> but I would recognize any of those people now, 40 years later. And it's been way less than 40 years for these guys. Because Mulder's not 40 yet in this. Hmm. I would recognize any of those people. That would were around. you? Yeah. Oh, easily. John Kabosh? Haven't seen that man in... 30 years. I'd recognize him. Have you Googled him lately? No. I don't know how to spell kibosh. <laughs> Me neither. I'm always impressed that you remember people's first and last names because I could barely remember anybody's name singular that I used like for an entire year or where we were. Who knows? Who knows indeed. Not me. I think that's pretty... Pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. That's a long time. People look different after 30 years. I bet I recognize them. <laughs> All right. Well... If that's where everybody's getting this, I'm fine. I don't care. Stare at Lloyd in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, CSM then tells Mrs. Mulder that he called her to ask her to remember something, causing the two to argue while someone photographs them from a distance. And you know what? After seeing the photographs in a little while, it's like, that's just not fair. No one should photograph you while you're arguing about something. (laughs) I like being photographed while I'm arguing. Do you? Yes. I look fiery, angry. It just feels like Passionate. everything I see. I feel like everybody is just blowing it out of proportion if, you know, they just thought about it logically. But in it, no, I just want to set things on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can't have pictures of. That's evidence. Yeah. Okay. All right. If you're actually setting things on fire, yeah, you don't want pictures of that. That's not fair. No. Stop it. Stop taking pictures of us while we're committing our <laughs> Challenge 2023. <laughs> yes. Because otherwise, as Siri told us when the children asked her that arsons are only, what, like 3% convicted? There's like 3% conviction rate on arsons? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, you don't remember that? I don't remember that. Remember when the kids were talking to, to Google? I remember Is Google them. Siri? No. Okay, whichever one Google is. Just Google? I don't know. And they were asking, so, okay, so backing up for all the listeners, we were visiting with my uncle who was also visiting and he was in an Airbnb and the house had a Google, I guess, yeah, whatever those things are called. And the kids were asking it the most insane questions they could possibly think of because of course that's what you should do when you're a child. And one of the things was, hey, Google, if I commit arson, will I get convicted? (laughs) And the answer was no, because only 3% of... Of arsons are caught and convicted. And I was like, keeping that in my head. (laughs) Good good job, cops. So that's where we're at. All right, but back to the show and this scene in particular, it actually is pretty funny. There is a production note. William B. Davis was amused and aware that this reference to Bill Mulder additionally implied that the CSM was a lot better in bed than Mulder had been. The statement was also an inside joke, which I thought was even funnier than the being better than bed, because who cares? I mean, you would care if you were in bed with him, but the rest (laughs) of us who are not don't really care. But at the time the episode was produced, William B. Davis was actually a championship level water skier. Hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely hilarious. Yes. 
which is amazing because he's like, I remember being out on the sk- on skiing with Bill mm-hmm. and then just annihilating him. <laughs> I love finding out little things about people. It's great. Mulder and Scully are somewhere, and Mulder is notified by assistant director Skinner that his mother had suffered a stroke, and he heads to the hospital. He says the name of the place, which I'm not going to say because I will not say it correctly, and also it reminds me of Scully's dog that I also hated saying, so, you know, whatever. Once they're at the hospital, the nurse tells Mulder that 911 was called, and Mrs. Mulder was found on the floor. When Mrs. Mulder awakes, uh, she... She does awake while Mulder and Scully are there and wants something to write on. Scully figures this out and gives her a pen and pad. Mrs. Mulder writes down the word palm. P-A-L-M. Some stuff happens. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember what. And then Mrs. Mulder is taken somewhere else. She's taken to, you said, probably a facility that can handle strokes, which makes sense. But I don't remember them saying it. So I was like, why are they taking her away? Mulder reaches a whole new level of sad in this scene where he's like, you know what? We were investigating aliens or a faith healer. miracles. We were investigating uh, yeah. miracles. Not necessarily a faith healer, but yeah. a healer. And then my mom got a stroke and I think these things are connected. She wrote palm and the guy healed stuff with his palm. Yeah. Yeah, he's reaching real far for this one. And I understand why you would do this if we hadn't... Right. If we hadn't watched this in the last 75 episodes, him doing the exact same thing, it would be more meaningful. Yes. Now it's just kind of sad. So that's what happens. These leaps in logic aren't fun anymore is what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be worrying in a real world person. But here we are. Mulder and Scully later watch a video of Smith and the detective finding that someone else suddenly appears in Smith's place after the detective looks away. So this is a recording of the questioning after the shooting. Detective is talking to Jeremiah Smith. We can't hear what they're saying. No, because it's shot by the news crew. Yeah. And then someone walks in front of the camera. And that's when, then when the person passes, it's just a different person standing next to the detective. But wearing the same clothes. Yes. And Mulder notices that. Because, of course. do they not know that they're shapeshifters at this point, I guess? I guess not. Have they never seen anybody shapeshift? I can't keep it. Probably not. I I don't know, man. There's so many aliens at this point. Like seven. It's so many. Seven species, not seven aliens. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There's like a hundred million aliens (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Here on Earth. Um, Smith, meanwhile, is working at the Social Security Administration in what would eventually become a cubicle farm. But before boomers thought adding walls in between people so they couldn't see others of their species would make them more productive. Yeah, this weird layout did make me blah, though. So this layout is exactly that. It's every 10 feet, there's a desk and a chair and a workstation, but not the walls that will that we will eventually become very accustomed to and it reminded me of when we were playing the game nightmare here Uh right that's what it's called your worst nightmare and one of the i don't know if you guys have ever heard of this game it's a little card game definitely very cool i got it a couple years ago and we finally played it but you flip over four cards and rank your nightmares and then someone else's how you think that they're going to be and this scene reminded me of when the cubicles came up and Riley was like, that's my number one because if I ever end up in this situation, I've done something wrong. 
Oof. And I was like, yeah. Ouch. I mean, not yes, that you've done something wrong, but I can I can understand that sentiment of being just, because you're just, you just feel like a number. You're faceless at that point. I had a cubicle job once. I didn't care for it, but I'm literally a number now. Hmm. Would you go back to being in a cubicle? That's hard to say. It'd be easier on my body. That's true. Yeah, I've been in several cubicle jobs, and they've always sucked my soul dry. My physical job is also sucking my soul dry. Yeah, I mean... And beating up my body. That's true. But you get to see kittens sometimes. I do. (laughs) And that pig and that cow... And other pigs. Yep, those would be highlights. And other cows. Yeah. Wild peacocks. Yeah. So, a lot more than being sedentary behind a cubicle. Yes, I do see more things. (laughs) Jeremiah Smith is then taken captive by the cigarette smoking man and is locked in a high security prison. I have a note here that I have no idea what it means, but I need to read it out loud to you. Go for it. Nobody thinks the cigarette smoking organization is weird. Right. Nobody's reacting. Oh, when they're... That's what that note means. Yeah, when they're in the social security office and there's just a bunch of guys in trench coats walking around and nobody's like, that's weird. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. They're just like, we're going to ignore these people. It's fine. Whatever. There's a bunch of dudes walking through with... I don't, they feel like they have intent and they then just, also they're going to kidnap one of our people. They one of our co-workers. All right. I mean, I understand not loving all of your co-workers, but... Damn, I feel like I would notice if my colleague right next to me in my, the little cubicle or non-cubicle situation was taken. Yeah, join a union, everybody. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, there will be repercussions if you get kidnapped. Oh my gosh, join a union. If you don't have that capability, support unions. So maybe at someday, maybe someday you'll have the opportunity to join a union. <laughs> yeah. Mulder heads to the house in Rhode Island where he meets X. And I wonder how many houses this family owns. I think this is the same house. This is the summer house. Yeah. Right. But then the Mulders got divorced, so Bill Mulder had his house and Mrs. Mulder okay, had her house. The family is a bunch of people. Yes. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. All right. And all of the stuff is covered in plastic. They because don't even they don't... use the summer house. Right. I think we knew Mulder came from money already, though. Well... I was just reminded and irritated by it. I see. X shows Mulder photos of his mother arguing with CSM. X believes that they argued over something very old and very important and probably very blue. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) When Mulder leaves to go here, Scully asks him where he's going to go. And he says, you wouldn't let me go if I told you. Why? Why would (laughs) Scully not let him go to the summer house? That seems weird. That probably he owns at this point. I mean... Yeah, his mom vowed never to return to it, so she doesn't want anything to do with it. And his dad's dead. Yeah. So ha. inherit. Ha. <laughs> Just rough. You were giving me a hard time about dads earlier, so. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jeremiah Smith appears at FBI headquarters and turns himself in. But we know that Jeremiah Smith is in room B-18. We do. So then I was like, what's happening? Which one of the aliens is this? I wasn't because I saw the names of the guest stars at the very beginning. Ah, (laughs) So I was like, ah, that's Brian Thompson. You're like, clones. Got it. No, shapeshifters. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) You get whatever, clones versus shapeshifters? But we have both. 
Not in this episode. I guess not. In this episode, we just have shapeshifters. Well, we're coming off on the point where I checked out completely, so. Oh, cool. It's going to be great from here on in. Excellent. Um, I didn't mean to, but I did. It was accidental. Uh, yeah, so Jeremiah Smith turns himself in, saying he has no memory of healing anyone or leaving the crime scene. Because He's, he wasn't really there. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> he seems sincerely confused as to what happened before and genuinely like he wants to help clear his name. Which is, you know, a good approach. Yeah, this guy is a pretty good actor. Yeah, I agree. Uh, very subtle. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it, except we come up on a scene pretty soon where I was like, you guys have to stop growling. We can't, you're whisper growling into your little mics and it's, we can't recreate this on the podcast because no one will hear us. <laughs> I don't know what scene you're talking about. I'll, I'll point it out when we get there. Mulder returns to Summer House. He's already there. Um, the... F- Fully furnished house they all abandoned at some point. <laughs> this is me still being irritated about <laughs> it. But he sits around and is trying to figure out what what they could have possibly been fighting over and what X could have been referring to. He tosses the summer house. But it's okay because he probably owns it. Right. And it is the 90s. So you don't even really have to be that rich to have a summer house. Houses cost like $42. <laughs> Why didn't I buy a house in the 90s? Because you were eight. And I didn't have $42 when I was eight. (laughs) Me neither. Who are we kidding? But I was 13. Ooh, I might have had $42 at some point when I was 13. Ooh, I didn't. For sure. I'm thinking like after a birthday and Christmas. Christmas, birthday. Those two months are right smashed together. They are smashed together for you. So possibly. They are for everyone. Christmas and birthday? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Just letting everybody know. Excellent. <laughs> Christmas and birthdays. Smashed together. Right together. Um, Mulder searches through the house and after playing Wordle with Palm, changing it to Lamp, he finds an alien stiletto weapon, which we've previously seen in the episodes Colony and Endgame, in one of the lamps. But now we know that there's something actually very special about it. Because, yeah. because, because everybody... Otherwise, who would give a shit? Because everyone has to... Right? Is there something special about it? There has to be. I was I have a note about it later, but might as well right now. Yeah, this has to be made out of some sort of space metal, because it can't just be an ice pick. Otherwise, you could just use an ice pick. But they never allude to it being anything special. They don't, and I think it's because it was just a cool weapon that they liked for the first time it showed up, and now they're bringing it back, and... People uh, do love to push that button. They. I mean, I would, if I was holding it. I love every time somebody pushes the button. It just be in, out, in, out. Well, people like to push the button and then the the camera will like zoom in and everybody pauses and watches. They're like, let's look at this. Mulder almost puts his own eye out. Right? What is this? When did, I was going to say the 90s, but I don't remember when that movie came out. No, no, I want an official red undercover and I should do an with my lay rifle. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Oh, that's early 80s, late 70s. That's why I don't like it. Is it? Is that why you don't like it? I don't like it's it. old? I don't like it for a lot of reasons. No, not because it's old. Because it's not interesting to me. Okay. You have no nostalgia for childhood. I think that's why. I have some nostalgia for childhood. It just isn't built around TV. Or Christmas. No, not around Christmas either. It's built around, like, going into the playground and playing Ghost in the Graveyard. I've never seen a movie about Ghost in the Graveyard. No, we did that. I know. Physically did that. I know. Yeah. And if there was a movie about that, you'd have nostalgia for it. Well, 
you don't have nostalgia for pink bunny costumes and BB guns. No. That's why you don't like the movie. And angry dads. That dude's just so angry. He needs to go to therapy. It's the 1950s in that and movie. All of his family. Therapy is like. All of his. Oh, actually, you know. Electroshocks. Honestly, actually, maybe don't go to therapy in the 50s. Ugh. That's unfortunate. Yes. Whatever. I don't want to watch that movie. At the prison, the cigarette smoking man interrogates Jeremiah Smith, who has lost faith in the project. This is the Jeremiah Smith who is still in captivity as opposed to the other Jeremiah Smith that we have just seen. The healer guy that we met at the very beginning, not the one who's actually the bounty hunter. Yes. When CSM tells Jeremiah Smith people no longer believe in miracles, but they do believe in authority and science, Smith morphs into Deep Throat and transports himself into the future where half of Americans believe in miracles. Does that sound insane? It is. I underguessed. Actually, it's 80% of Americans who believe in miracles. Oh. No. Yep. What's the source on that? That's the Pew research that I was looking at. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. It's an article called Religion Among, Among the Millennials that was published in 2010. And basically, millennials are more superstitious, but less religiously affiliated is how it shakes out. Okay. Fantastic. Well, your generation isn't doing any better. My generation is quietly... Being more more religiously affiliated than millennials. We're just busy raising Gen Z to be socialists. Liar, I'm busy raising Gen Z. Just me, all of of Uh Gen Z. All of it. (laughs) All right, so that's rough, but... There's a production note about this part. The conversation between the cigarette smoking man and Jeremiah Smith echoes that of the Grand Inquisitor and Jesus Christ in the Brothers Karamazov's parable, The Grand Inquisitor, by 19th century Russian author Dostoevsky. You didn't want to go for Feodor? Nope. I was like, I've already... This is a long sentence. Which I have not read. Have you read it? No, I've read zero Dostoevsky. I've read something of his, but I don't remember what at this moment. Crime and punishment? No. Um, all right. Mulder goes to see Skinner, demanding the cigarette smoking man's whereabouts, blaming him for what happened to his mother, which is... Flailing. He's flailing. It's flailing. I guess it's more in line with what he's seen now than when he was like, wait, we had a healer. And then also my mother got sick <laughs> because he's seen the pictures. After hearing that Smith came in and gave a statement, Mulder heads to the Social Security Administration to take him in for questioning. Scully goes with him. It seems like this guy's going to get fired. Mulder convinces him to come with him because he's like, you don't want to cause a scene here, do you? And I'm like, I've caused so many scenes at work. Yeah, I'm fine with this. You're going to have to carry me out of here, buddy. So, okay, so here's a question. Did So this is the bounty hunter. Yes, this is the bounty hunter. And he knows that Jeremiah Smith was working at the same office yesterday. This is the same office, right? Yeah, I'm not sure why they have to keep up the appearance that Jeremiah Smith is still there. Me neither. So basically, this is the most exciting week for this room of people at work. You would think, except they're not noticing any of this. They don't find any of this odd. Yesterday, a bunch of guys in trench coats that were oversized and ill-fitting stole your colleague. And then he's back today. And then the FBI comes again. Yeah. And comes and talks to him. This would be office gossip for at least the rest of the week. 
In any other office, yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, they take him. He goes with them. They are in an elevator, and then something happens, and Smith flees into a crowd where he knocks over a bunch of people, and then he morphs into someone else, so then they lose him. So, someone else who I'm like, that guy looks familiar, but may or may not be a person that we've seen before. So now the CSM goes back to see Jeremiah Smith, the one who is in captivity, not the one who is now some guy who I think I've seen before in real life, probably. Right. Who this time morphs into Bill Mulder, which is shocking because now CSM is like, I just went to see your wife who I had an affair with and who is now in hospital. He definitely reacted more to seeing Deep Throat. Did he? I thought he acted pretty, pretty big here. He really reacted to Deep Throat. Guess it's because he directly had a hand in killing Deep Throat. Maybe. And I think he did for Mulder as well. But he wasn't there. He wasn't there, but he wasn't there for Deep Throat either. Yeah. Buzzcut guy did Deep Throat. Yeah. And then Crycheck did Bill Mulder. Yeah. Except he says he didn't. Right. But we saw that. We didn't see him pull the trigger. We just saw him point a gun and then heard a gunshot. All right. All right. We already had this. It would be wild if somebody else did it. Yes. Yeah. Also, pretty pissed off Crycheck hasn't shown up in this episode. Uh, He's locked in a missile silo. I wanted him to come back somehow. Dehydrating. Well. Starving to death. Jerky Crycheck should should have shown up. (laughs) This is the season finale. It sure is. We're getting everyone else. (laughs) We really are. (laughs) Oh. All right, so he's there. Bill Mulder shows up. They talk about how much they talk about how much people, I suppose Americans in this case, reject miracles and God in the name of science, which has never been true of the majority, and then reveals that the CSM is dying of lung cancer. Cigarette smoking man accuses him, you just want to save your own life. And Jeremiah Smith says, and you? It's pretty good. He's like, I can heal your lung cancer if you let me out. But then CSM's like, Lights another cigarette. That's because he's getting ready to get a fresh set of lungs. He can do whatever he wants now. Do you think he lets him go? I know he lets him go. I told you I checked out. Yeah. He lets him go (laughs) to save his own life. (laughs) I think all of us would do that. The Jeremiah Smith... I wouldn't. Why? Because these aliens are all the same species. This is the same species as Brian Thompson. So Brian Thompson has to have the ability to heal as well. So just get him to do it. But CSM doesn't have a good relationship with Brian Thompson. Good enough to let him into the prison to kill Jeremiah Smith. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. This is all getting really in the weeds because clearly now the cigarette smoking organization is working directly with aliens, which goes, this this is my bet for the end, goes directly against what they said earlier. What did they say earlier? We'll go into it. Well, I hope you remember. I will. And here's the thing. I love getting into the weeds on this kind of stuff, but you can't give me all of the weeds 14 episodes apart from each other because then I'm not going to remember what the weeds were last time. The Jeremiah Smith that fled from Mulder and Scully heads to the prison and is revealed to be the alien bounty hunter. He also has one of those little things or the same thing and he pushes it and he's like, gotta look at it. And this is where I had my notes about how this has to be the only thing that can kill those things. It has to be a special, like, space metal. It, it can't just be regular old aluminum. It must be, but they do talk about it later, and it's like, you have to jam them in the back of the neck, right? Well, we already knew that. Cause... Right. Well, I mean, we knew. But how does Mulder? I have no idea. Good question. Yeah. 
All right. So um, Smith heads to Smith heads to Smith's cell in order to kill him, which confused me for a moment. But then I realized that it is the alien bounty hunter who was Smith goes to the other Smith's cell to kill him, but finds it empty. Because cigarette smoking man let him out yeah. to save his life. That makes sense. That does make sense. Mulder once again goes to see his mother in the hospital. Oof, and David Duchovny's sad face rears its ugly head again. Ugh, sad faces. Yeah. David Duchovny's sad face makes me sad face. There is a person in this show who emotes well, and she is underutilized. (laughs) So he goes to visit his mother. Oh my gosh. She's still unconscious. The doctor doesn't have much to update as it's unclear whether she'll regain consciousness. It's kind of just up in the air. Muller leaves his mom's room yeah, because there's nothing really to do there. And that's where he sees cigarette smoking man mm. having a smoke in the hospital hallway. That's it. That's where Seems my transition. Jerk. <laughs> that's where I missed my transition. <laughs> I love how you say he's a jerk. And when they show him smoking in the hospital, I'm like, man. I wish I had the balls to smoke in a hospital. I mean, not really, but... Just rude. It is rude. It's like dying people in there. You can't smoke around them. I know. I've worked in a hospital. I never have, because I'm not rude. I didn't <laughs> smoke while I was working in a hospital. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hope you don't smoke now. No. I mean, I don't smoke. There's no smoking happening. But definitely not in the hospital. I'm not... I have no affiliation with hospitals at this point in time. But that does seem pretty badass. Like, okay, obviously rude. Where is another place that you could just smoke in, for example, that you're not allowed to? That would be super cool. That would make you look super cool. Nowhere. Nobody looks cool smoking. Smoking is for... Cigarette smoking men? For whoever's driving that fucking car. Dickheads like that. I'm not saying we're actually smoking. This is supposed to be a fun game. You're not playing along. I'm annoyed by that car. Well, CSM is smoking in the hallway. Mulder is angry, of course, because he's flailing still. And now he's discovered that his mom and CSM have known each other for 30 years or more. Since before you were born, Fox. Nobody calls him Fox. You're not allowed to call him Fox. I think CSM is allowed to call him Fox. Only Scully's mom is allowed to call him Fox. I think everyone of that generation is allowed to call him Fox. I even made my parents call me Mulder, except your mom calls you Fox. Right. But I think that was from the book, right? No, that was... That was from, from the show? Like episode one. Oh, because I didn't read you the Mulder book, did I? We started it. Did we? I and thought we started... Was a big spoiler at the very beginning. Was it? Yeah. What was the big spoiler? No. Oh. I mean, is any of this real? Uh, no, it's a TV show. <laughs> but they're bantering and Mulder's got his gun on him. And I really wanted Mulder to do this thing that I've always wanted to see Sony do because it's something I think about, like when I'm putting myself in those moments. Because I do a lot of, uh, I I put myself in the place of the characters Mm -hmm. and think of what I would do. I've always wanted to see a character who's like pointing the gun. He's threatening, but you know, he's probably not going to shoot the guy. I want him to put the gun into his eyeball and just press in. It would be really painful. It would get the point across that you mean business without having to pull the trigger. I you know, it hurts so bad. I I've always s- wanted to see that. Oh my gosh. I'm staunchly on the side of if you're not going to pull the trigger, don't pull out your gun. That's true. You're right. But it's a move I've always wanted to see. 
And also, if you're a cop, you shouldn't have a gun. I mean, yes. It's my other strong It's also stance. a good point. I think I make good points. Sometimes. Even if I can't keep straight any of the myth arc. When you're not trying to smoke in hospitals. But I really think that would make me look badass. Nobody looks cool smoking. If I was the villain. Smoking is not cool, kids. If I was the villain, I would make it look cool. <laughs> oh, my favorite part of this whole scene <laughs> is the stupidest part of this whole scene. So, CSM is smoking. <laughs> Mulder's pissed off, and then he grabs the cigarette out of CSM's mouth. <laughs> Throws it on the ground. <laughs> no, but the yes, but the way that he grabs it is with his entire palm. <laughs> he palms CSM's in, whole face in order to get the cigarette. I enjoyed it. I I liked it a lot. Oh my gosh! It just it really just kind of emphasized how much Mulder is flailing. It really did. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I also liked it. What did they talk about? Don't know. I was too stuck in just replaying that moment. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, he throws it on the ground. There's a they're they're talking. Basically, CSM is saying, "Look, I've known your mom for fucking decades, dude. I've known your mom longer than you've known your mom." And he wants to come visit his friend who's in the hospital, which is pretty sweet. But Mulder is still pointing this gun at CSM. And a nurse walks in and she's like, I'm doing that thing where I'm not going to intervene, but I'm going to let you know that I see what you're doing. <laughs> Which was pretty great because then he had to put his gun away. Okay, so Scully, meanwhile, looks into Jeremiah Smith and finds many other Jeremiah Smiths with the same appearance working at Social Security Administration offices across the country. So basically, they're all clones. They're all drones. Everybody is the They're all same. shapeshifters. Oh, I know. Okay. So She pulls up six pictures, but there's like eight more Jeremiah Smiths below the one she picks up. Yeah. So here's the thing that I want to know. Obviously, they're shapeshifters, but is the X-Files trying to make a commentary on how office workers are drones or is this like i was i was doing i was stretching a lot because like every time they do a an episode that's like are you pro or anti saving the environment it's always very confusing so like are you pro or anti forcing people to work in these conditions and i think they probably just don't have any i think it's just poor writing yeah. Because it's poor planning on the aliens part. Why would they all have the same name and look alike? You, I Just mean, to let people give clues to everybody. Well, like, hey. Honestly. We're they aliens. They absolutely could. And it wouldn't make a difference in 1996, if we're being honest. They could look the same, but live in different cities. No one would ever know. But why? But why have the same name and the same job? Yeah. That's and the same those, face. Those no, you could you could have the same face and nobody would fucking know. Clearly they would because Scully sees it. No, because she looks up his name and it's they're all in the Social Security Administration. Yeah, don't all work in the government. It's guys. a bad idea. Well, they all have to work in the government because otherwise, because it's the cigarette smoking organization giving them jobs. I don't. Where like else it. would they work? So Mulder runs into X in the parking lot. X demands the alien stiletto. Mulder says no. X says yes. Mulder insinuates the stiletto weapon is a weapon. Gold star. Colonization. Fucking hell. It's <laughs> how I summarized that conversation. Mulder says the date is set. 
How did he hear that phrase? Right? How does he know that's going on? Who said that? We need the shooting script because there's stuff that has been left out of this episode. Someone said the data set. Uh, it was CSM and... CSM the... said that to Jeremiah Smith. Okay, so yeah. the data set. Right. I think that possibly while they're shooting this, they don't realize who's in the room and who's not in the room. I think there's something that was in the shooting script that didn't make it into the episode. Hmm. Yeah, because when Mulder said that, I was like, you don't know that. Right. Colonization? How? Yeah. There's something that's missing. Well, it's going to remain missing. The two fight. It's fun watching to see when it's the actors versus when it's their stunt doubles. The stunt doubles don't look much like either of these actors. No, but it's really fun to watch. And also, good job, guys. You're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) They fight to a stalemate. X starts singing One Way or Another by Blondie. He's going to find you. He's going to get you. Get you, get you, get you. Scully arrives at her home. So she got home, which is great. It's not the first time that X and Mulder have left on bad terms. So there really is a chance that they, they could get back together. Yeah, this is a bad relationship. It really is. Here's the thing, guys. If any of you who are listening are younger than us, you can maybe... Which is most of you. <laughs> You can maybe break up and get back together once, but if you break up and get back together and break up and get back together and break up and get back together, don't. Y'all gotta stop that. Just don't. Y'all gotta stop it. And I said maybe once because the psych situation that we talked about this morning while we were getting ready for work. Mm. (laughs) So I'm giving, you know, I'm giving messy humans once. Once. Don't go back a second time. No. Don't do it. It's never, never. So, yes, you're right. It's curious to see what's going to happen between these two because you're right. They have a contentious relationship. They don't have the good relationship that Deep Throat and Mulder had, which is good. Yeah. Because Deep know, Throat mix, got killed and X is, it up a little bit. X is trying not to be killed. You don't want to do the same thing over and over again. Nah. I was actually a little bit surprised when the stunt performers came in for X because... Stephen Williams is like a jujitsu guy or something? Yeah. Judo? Something like that. I can't remember. We brought it up in another episode. And I mean, no shade to anybody, obviously. Hey, every, if he just every, feel like doing it. Everybody do whatever you need to do. Great. Also, pay stunt performers. They do an insane job. So, not not that, but it was just like the, the first time that it wasn't him, I was like, hmm, all right, I'm going to pay attention now. So, very interesting. But yeah. Walking away singing one way or another by Blondie is is a good move. So then we go to Scully's home. She just gets there. I hate her lampshade. <laughs> Fucking hate it. You don't hate lampshades as much as Fox Mulder. This specific lampshade would destroy. Would. Yeah. Okay. She's is she is she listening to her messages? She's doing something. She just got home. And here's a knock on the door. It is Jeremiah Smith, who is talking so quietly behind the door. And he doesn't say which Jeremiah Smith he is. But she doesn't know that there's multiple. I guess not. It'd be helpful for us, though. We only (laughs) We're omniscient sometimes in in this show. She asks who it is. He announces himself. She tells him to put his hands up and then gives him ten other orders he must follow in order to enter her home or she'll shoot him. What are they? I can't remember. It's fine, because if she shoots him, she's the only one in danger. It's true. And he knows that. He comes in and says, I I can tell you the whole story. And I was like, 
fan fucking tastic. Tell us the whole story. How did how did you heal these people? Why are you here? D- d- explain it all. Let's go. I feel like we already know. Well, I would like to hear his side. You just like to hear a soothing voice tell you? Yes. And then the phone rings and she's like, I mean, I gotta answer the phone. And I'm like, you really don't have to answer the phone. You have an answering machine. He's gonna tell you. But she answers the phone. And this is <laughs> this is my PSA. If you're having a conversation with somebody, don't answer your phone. Okay. So Mulder's on the other line, of course, and he says, get out of your apartment or house or wherever you are at this point. It's got to be an apartment, right? It sounds. It looks like he's in a hallway. So he says she has to leave immediately. So she, okay, here's, here's the thing with this whole scenario. Mulder calls and says she's in danger because someone is looking for Jeremiah Smith. Fine. He doesn't say that Jeremiah Smith is is a problem or a threat, but obviously, based on this 10-step program that we've just gone through, Scully believes that Jeremiah Smith is a threat. Or she's just being cautious. So then she immediately puts him in the car with her, which is not a police car, just a regular-ass car, and they just drive out to some... Bond Mill Road, off of I-95. I have a really hard time believing that a very small woman who is kind of afraid of a person is like, I was kind of afraid of you, but now I've decided that there's a bigger threat, so just get in my car, let's drive. Do, 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 do. Would you put somebody you're afraid of in the same car with you and then drive out to Bond Mill Road? I don't know, Mulder said, bring him along, he's fine. Mulder has lost his mind. There is so many. 75 episodes ago. <laughs> I don't know. I found that curious. Jeremiah Smith ends up telling Scully that the man they met before, the other Jeremiah Smith, was an imposter sent to kill him, this current Jeremiah Smith, which clears up a lot of stuff. So we're great. Smith also tells her that he knows of an elaborate plan, a project, and the whereabouts of Mulder's sister. So they go to, what is it? What mill road? Bond Mill Road. Bond Mill. Off of I-95. Great. Mulder wants to take Smith to see his mother before hearing Smith's long and complicated story, but the alien bounty hunter arrives seconds later. He's here to kill me. Yeah, I think uh, Mulder already knows the story, and that's why he's like, come heal my mom first. Hmm. I don't like that tactic, though. I think he wants to help his mom oh no not that <laughs> sorry i'm sorry not that part <laughs> i d- i don't like having to guess that Mulder already knows what the story is he definitely knows that there's aliens involved i think you can yeah. intuit that this guy's an alien since he's healing people and that's just, this weapon can kill them was miracle man an alien N- he wasn't he wasn't at least he wasn't overtly he was adopted so oh, his parentage is... So maybe he's one of these hybrids? Well, these guys aren't hybrids. No, these guys aren't hybrids. So you think maybe... It's possible giving, the Miracle... giving them too much credit? It's possible the Miracle Man was an alien, which is why he was beaten to death and then he didn't die. Right. Are they pulling this together? No. I didn't think so. Just checking. All right. Man. What do you think Scully's going to do? About what? <laughs> This this scenario. Okay, so this is where the episode ends on a cliffhanger. It's TBD, so we don't get to hear the story. And we know Mulder can't take on the bounty hunter because 
Even okay. though I did look up the different sizes of the men. They're yeah. not wildly different. But. First, who are you shipping? <sighs> Do you have somebody? No. This, this was a weird one to try to ship somebody with. I'm shipping... Well, Mrs. Mulder doesn't want to remember her sexual escapades with CSM, so I'm not doing that. I guess I'm just shipping her with consciousness. Okay, I'll ship X and Mulder, I guess. They yeah, they do really need to. Wow, but I just said I just said how they need to not make up. That's this true. Time. You did, uh, and I agreed with you. Yeah. Oh well, how are you surviving? I guess being one of the office drones who doesn't pay attention to when my colleagues get kidnapped, and uh, then I seem to be fine. That'll do it. <laughs> uh, I'm doing what I usually do whenever there's aliens involved, and nothing. There's nothing you can do. The aliens either kill you or they don't. Yeah. All right, now let's get into it. Hold, okay, first question. Why would the aliens save any of the humans in the beginning? Because this guy isn't on board with the colonization anymore. That's fine. That's why he was saving people. He likes humans now. Don't like humans. Humans are garbage. Not according to him. That's why you asked why. That's why. That was your first question. What's your next question? Well, what what were you going to say next? I don't remember. I just, I have a lot of problems with this episode. Not by itself. By itself, it's fine. As a finale, though. As a finale, they're definitely, you know, I guess. I'm not a fan of cliffhanger finales, but it's. Carnival, am I right? (laughs) Fucking carnival. (laughs) Bold that statement. (laughs) Uh, But with the rest of the lore of this whole alien myth arc, they just flipped a bunch of stuff on its head because the cigarette smoking organization we know from deep throat there is this multinational agreement that if you see an alien you kill it if you see something you kill it yes (laughs) right which is his entire motivation for helping moeller because he feels tremendous guilt over having killed one of these which one uh 60s something in the 60s all right but now we find out that the cigarette smoking organization is working directly with them for colonization. And if they're doing that, they had to have been doing it for a long time. Yes. If we're talking about full-scale colonization. So they would have been doing it when Deep Throat was part of the organization. Right. And Bill Mulder. I, who knows how long he's been out, though. He may have been out since the 70s. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we don't know. So what about the hybrid stuff? We're, uh, nobody cares about that anymore. So the reason that I bring it up is because I'm reading this Carl Sagan book from the, I think the nineties or early two thousands called a demon haunted world. And one of his points was besides this is obviously not actually happening is if aliens were coming here to hybridize with humans in order to propel the species forward, What's the negative there, in theory? Because obviously none of this is happening. (laughs) It depends on their motivations. It does. But we don't care about the hybrid aliens anymore. (sighs) Who knows where they are? Dead, I guess. Uh, Because Brian Thompson came through and killed them all. So we still have multiple species of aliens, at least landing on Earth. Yeah, like seven of them. With a variety of, of reasons. The one alien species that stopped by to refuel and then left. The cockroaches. Which is honestly my favorite because I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That was pretty funny. It's pretty good. 
It makes so much sense to come and just like things get topsy-turvy and also you land at the same time that the entire town just loses its goddamn mind in a whole different unrelated scenario is amazing. Loved it. That was, that was beautiful. But now we have, so, okay. So our main aliens are... The shapeshifters, I guess? The shapeshifters? Because there's tons of them on the planet already. So are they... And there's more coming. Are they also related to the greys or the black oil or are they unrelated? Well, they're definitely not related to the black oil. I didn't think so. I'm just asking because I'm trying to connect why any of these things would be. And if they're shapeshifters, they could be the greys? Just shapeshifted to look human? Yeah. But the hybrids are a non-entity as far as we're... At this point? I mean, we haven't seen them since, you know, way back when. The awful leper colony where they were murdering people and also using a lot of Holocaust imagery. Yeah, yeah. All right, what else do you have for this episode or this season? (laughs) I guess that's my main problem is you're completely changing what this organization is doing for the finale of this season. They were making hybrids. Now they're working directly with the aliens to colonize Earth. And they have been working with them for... Decades? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The colonization angle really irritates me. (laughs) Because it's a bunch of white people. Oh. (laughs) Being like, can you believe people would colonize us? And I'm like... Makes sense to me. White people would be offended by that. (laughs) We're not allowed to be colonized. All right, well... See you guys in the recap, I guess. Yeah. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things artistic wonderful things we are raising the bar on podcasting we would love you forever for that we have a tea public store you can go buy t-shirts and stuff there music by hal six logo by at Uka art that's o-o-k-a-r-t They go into the explanation of, like, cigarette smoking organization and stuff, and they sound a lot like Abstergo from Assassin's Creed. You're going to have to explain that. They they really want to control the world through various means. I'm going to delete that. It sounded like you had a point to I, make. I had a point, and I don't remember what it is now. Okay, because I can't just be like, yeah, everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. They sound a lot like I said the the bad guys from Assassin's Creed, but I can't for I can't remember why now. Well, if you remember, you can just put it in. Maybe you'd be like editor's note. I had a point to make, and editor's note. Here it is. Damn. <laughs>